The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm your guest host, John Breach, and I'm here because Will Brinson is at a Care Bears bar crawl. Apparently, he's a huge Care Bears fan. We didn't know that, uh, but who cares? But while Brinson's out, to make him happy, you should download and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you might listen. And while you're doing that, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple. And if you do leave a review... Make sure to mention that I am your favorite guest host in the history of podcasts. Now, let's get to tonight's show, the Thursday night recap. We just watched the Patriots and the Giants. And you know what? We're down two super friends for this recap show. It is the Sean John Show. If you were listening, you lucked into it. It is just me and Sean Wagner McGuff. Sean, let me just open my ask you. Are you going to have electricity for this show, or is PG&E going to cut out, and I'm going to be by myself? That's what I need to know right now. Here's the thing, Breach. I have no idea because PG, PG&E has no idea. So, look, I actually think if anyone had to do a show alone and I had to listen to it, it would probably be you because Princeton would just spend the entire time talking about beer. Wilson would probably just go to sleep. Uh, so I think you would have the best chance of actually talking about football and kicking. And you know how much I love listening to you talk about kicking. So um, I think you're in good shape even if I do lose power. And, and there was a fantastic field goal. I could probably have a whole entire podcast on where the laces were in on Mike Nugent. We'll get to that later. But we're going to start off with Rob Gonkowski making his return to the NFL but not on the field. As an analyst for Fox, he showed up and he started off with uh, some weirdness. I think Debo has the clip. First off, he calls himself the squirrel. You want to know why he calls himself the squirrel? Because he is a squirrel. He's furry. He's furry. He's cute. He's elusive. He's feisty. And most importantly, whenever he gets a chance, he gets that nut. <laughs> Sean uh, hits his first showing. What, what do you grade Gronk for uh, his first ever time as an analyst on a national network so at first i was going to give him a one because he made that comment about how edelman always gets a nut and then early in the game edelman was having a couple issues catching the ball and i was like i mean come on man like you're not even to get that one right and then edelman late in the fourth quarter makes an incredible over the shoulder diving catch totally redeems gronk i give him an a and this is what i want this is what i realized after watching that my dream is a booth calling a game composed of Rob Gronkowski and Jay Cutler. Let's get those two together in a broadcast booth. I think it would be pure gold. Uh, Just two guys who aren't going to necessarily say the things that we're used to commentators saying. Um, And that clip was a perfect example. This might be my second favorite Gronk moment ever. My first is when he went on Jimmy Kimmel and he said the last book he read was A Mockingbird to Remember. Uh, my first favorite Gronk moment was they show up at my bachelor party, but that is a whole different thing. And you know who else they should throw in that booth? Throw Pat McAfee in there, make it a whole former athlete booth, and, and people would just tune in and, and have them do, like, the Cardinals-Lions games. You know, like, games that only go into 2% of the country, and people will just watch. They'll get direct TV just so they can watch that game. And I love that your grading system, you said 
I was going to start off giving a Gronk a one, and then you ended giving him an A. So you went from a number system <laughs> to a letter system, Sean. I'm glad you are not a teacher because that would be confusing. I agree with you, man. I am giving him A because, look, you don't ever hear people talk about squirrels or squirrels getting nuts uh, on any sort of show, let alone an NFL show, a soccer pregame show, a baseball cream game. So he's bringing something new to us. Uh, and I also love that he just came out breaking news. You had Robert Kraft go on the NFL Network and say, oh, yeah, Rob hasn't uh, turned in his retirement papers. And everybody's like, OK, what? And he's like, yeah, we're still hoping that he's going to come back. When you hear the owner say that, that's a little crazy. And then Gronk saying when he wasn't talking about squirrels and squirrels getting their nuts, he was saying, <laughs> hey, look, I still love football. I'm thinking about maybe coming back, but my mind's kind of got to be in it. So it does sound like he's open to it if his body heals. You think is that? Did you hear that? And and do you feel the same way? So two things on this. One, I don't think we've ever heard on live TV an analyst use the word furry to describe (laughs) and analyze the player. So I I just want to say that is a truly groundbreaking moment in history. Second, it's funny that that uh, Robert Kraft made those comments right before this game, uh, because as we're going to talk about in a split second here. This game was the perfect example of, of how much the Patriots really do miss Rob Gronkowski because I know they beat up on the Giants, but their offense through a lot of that game looked dreadful. Um, they had their tight ends a couple times help staying in to help block, and they simply could not do it. And, you know, besides Gronk being uh, the most entertaining player in the league and obviously the most explosive tight end pass catcher in NFL history, he's also a really good blocker, and, and you see them missing it in both pass protection and the running game. And so if I sit here and ask you what your biggest takeaway is from the game, I'm guessing you just kind of previewed it with what you just said. Yeah, and I don't want to be too negative on the Patriots. I think the biggest takeaway is still that this Patriots defense looks like the best defense in football, and that is their strength of their team, and it's not Tom Brady, and it's not the Patriots offense. I mean, they made Daniel Dimes look exactly what they were supposed to do, which was a rookie quarterback who was going to make a lot of mistakes, and they induced a ton of mistakes. This game never really should have been that close. It was 14-14 to late in the second quarter, um, only because Tom Brady fumbled and the Giants returned it all the way. And this Patriots defense really didn't give the Giants much all night long except for one deep touchdown. But even if you look at that touchdown, the coverage on that play was perfect. The defender uh, covering Golden Tate, actually got his hand on the ball uh, when Tate juggled and caught it. So I don't think it, – it's really weird to look at this Patriots team and be like, it's the defense that is the most exciting unit to watch. It's not the offense because that offense right now with Isaiah went out. They can't protect Brady. Brady does not look that great. Um, so they've got issues on offense. But as long as their defense is playing this way, they're going to coast to the top seed. Yeah, and that was a game where their defense totally carried them the whole way. And, and the thing was – And I'm sure that we were both having these thoughts. I know I saw you doing some Slack chat, and I follow Sean on Twitter, and I read like every other tweet because he tweets too much for me to read all of them. But that Brady definitely looked bad in the first half. I mean, there's no way around it. His stats ended up okay because he went on like a 12-completion streak uh, in the second half and ended up 31 of 41 for 334 yards. But he looked ugly in the first half, and I couldn't decide uh, if – that was a bad thing or not. Because, I mean, like, obviously it's bad, but he's 42 years old. He was playing a game off of three days rest. And, and look, plyometrics and uh, all avocado diet is only going to take you so far. <laughs> if you are that old, it, it's understandable that you're going to come out and kind of fall flat on your face. And he did. That's He just looked like a 42-year-old quarterback. That's what you expect a 42-year-old quarterback to look like. But the thing is, he hasn't looked 
phenomenal all season. It is, he's looked completely average and the defense has had to carry it. The Patriots defense hadn't been playing so well. This team might be, uh, five and one, four and two, uh, but luckily the defense has been playing lights out. So Brady's mistakes have been kind of overshadowed just because of how well the defense has been playing. Yeah. And I also do think his struggles are still a little bit of a product of the situation around him. You know, we've talked about Isaiah Wynn, their left tackle being out. Marshall Newhouse is not a starting left tackle and he got repeatedly burnt in that first, in that first half. And then you look at the loss of James Devlin, their fullback. And I think that's really hindered their running game. And even I think we saw that on Thursday night where they were having a lot of trouble running the ball in short yarded situations. I can't count how many third and ones or third and threes that they tried to run these like toss sweeps that the, uh, the Giants kept on eating alive. And what they ended up resorting to do is they ended up just running a bunch of Tom Brady sneaks in short yarded situations, which, which worked. But I think coming into this year, I think a lot of us expected them to overcome the loss of Gronk by kind of leaning on their running game more because we know about all their running backs. We know about Devlin. We know about that offensive line. They've suffered so many injuries that I don't think they can quite be the team that they want to be on offense. And what we saw to, on, on Thursday night was they, in the second half, made a great adjustment, and they just had Tom Brady throw a bunch of screens, a lot of short passes, and that's why his stat line at the end is going to look pretty great or you know at least acceptable because if he was just throwing everything behind the line of scrimmage or within five yards of the line of scrimmage. But we've seen the Patriots run this type of offense before, you know, the James White offense, and I think it works, and especially like we've been saying, when you have a defense as good as the Patriots' defense, you can, avoid, you can run this type of offense. And I really hope, people out there listening picked up the Patriots defense or drafted them because right now they are the, the biggest cheat code in fantasy football. The 28 points, I believe, in most standard scoring leagues, um, the top-ranked defense by far, and guess what? They're still going to play in the AFC East one more time. Yeah, and Sean and I were talking about this before the podcast. We're not a fantasy podcast, but we both have the Patriots defense in our fantasy leagues, separate leagues that we're not in together. And you just, it's, it's almost unfair. You just steamrolling the other team. I'm already up like, I had Sony Michelle and the Patriots defense. I'm up like 40 to nothing, or 40 to 4, because the other guy had Mike Nugent, which I'll get to again later <laughs> with, that, with that field goal. I will bring that up. Uh, but it's amazing what they do. And, you know, we'll take this to Daniel Jones because they had three interceptions. They had a fumble return for a touchdown. They had a blocked punt return for a touchdown. I mean, they have, let's, let's get to, uh, somebody on Twitter sent us a fun fact and we are going to read it. And David Townsend, I hope you're listening. Here is the fun fact from Twitter user David Townsend through six weeks. The Patriots defense has allowed three touchdowns. The defense has scored four touchdowns. So the, Five actually. Five. So now we have the Patriots defense has scored more touchdowns than they've given up. And the Patriots offense has allowed three touchdowns. So the Patriots offense has given up as many touchdowns this year as the Patriots defense. I mean, that is an insane fact that that, that crosses the line of fun and goes to insane. Right. Yeah. And the only and you look at the, what those three touchdowns were. One of them was a Jarrett Stidham pick six against the Jets that they, when they took out Brady and then they put Brady right back in. The other one came on like a fumble recovery, um, that they had. And it's funny that all the Patriots games so far should have gone under. This game went over the 42 points, um, that a lot of people like yours truly, uh, picked for his best bets. What wasn't very happy about that. But the only two games that have gone over have been when the Patriots offense has allowed touchdowns. So continue to hammer the Patriots under. This shouldn't last. Uh, and again, I really do hope you picked up the Patriots defense, 
try to trade for them. I don't even know. This is the most valuable commodity in, in fantasy. And at the end of the year, I'm, when you look at what the best value pick was in most drafts, it's going to be the Patriots defense. Because I was in drafts where people were taking the Bears defense in the eighth round. No one was taking the Patriots defense until, you know, the 15th and 16th rounds. And one more note on, on Brady. We're talking about how he was just captain checkdown. 29 of his 41 passes were less than 10 yards, 13 behind the line of scrimmage. And again, I'm not knocking it because the strategy obviously worked in the second half. But this Patriots offense is going to have issues until they can get healthy. Uh, or maybe, I don't know, they trade for someone like uh, Trent Williams because that would help right away. Yeah, if I'm Belichick, I have 10 days to work out that deal. There's a new coaching staff. Uh, that If the Redskins are going to make a trade, now would be the time to kind of convince them to do that. And so we were talking about how well the Patriots defense played, picking off three passes, which makes this a great segue to talk about Daniel Jones. What did you think of his performance? Do you think that we can even judge him fairly off this game? Or did he play well enough that it's like, you know what, he's playing the Patriots and he held his own for a little bit. He threw he threw the first touchdown pass of the season on him, so let's not hate on him. I mean, look, he was terrible, but I think <laughs> you can understand why he was terrible. And... We'll start with the positives. That touchdown pass to Golden Tate was inch perfect. I talked about how the Patriots defensive back got a hand on it. If that's on a perfect throw, that's broken up. His interceptions, on the other hand, were were terrible. And there was that one where he looked like he thought the Patriots were in man coverage. He threw it right to Stephon Gilmore. But you look at who he's playing with, and I don't think there's a single rookie quarterback uh, who would have fared well. This is what his fourth career start, short week. On the road against Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's defense always take care of business against um, against rookie quarterbacks. He doesn't have Saquon Barkley. He doesn't have Wayne Gallman. Golden Tate is his second game back, so he doesn't have no I've established with him. Exactly. So I just don't think this is a situation where any rookie quarterback would have succeeded. I don't think this is a situation where most quarterbacks, period, would have succeeded. And I saw some people joking around on Twitter about how, you know, maybe you got to put Eli Manning back in. I don't think Eli Manning is going to fare that much better against his Patriots defense. So I don't think there's a lot we can evaluate. He made a couple poor decisions, but we also saw some positives. He saw that touchdown. His ball placement on a couple of his passes were were uh, encouraging. But again, I think this one you just wipe away. This is why like we don't want like Dwayne Haskins to have started against the Patriots because it just would be a bloodbath. Yeah, well, the one thing I will say about Daniel Jones, but real quick, this is how bad the receiving core was. With guys missing, uh, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley and Gilman were both out. They're leading rusher with Jonathan Hillman. So your third string running back, obviously you're leading rusher because he was the starter in this case. Sean, are you looking at the stats right now? Because if I ask you who the Giants' second leading I receiver was. I, I have it up. I'm sorry. Well, let me ask you this then. Had you even heard of Darius Slayton before no. tonight? Okay. No. I mean, <laughs> so you have. There's second, you have Golden Tate and then you have a bunch of other dudes. I mean, that's really it. So it was, it was really the Patriots trying to shut down Golden Tate and they didn't even do a good job of doing that. I mean, Golden Tate, who I think a lot of people thought was maybe old, washed up, coming off that four game suspension, he just kept finding ways to get open. To me, for the Giants offense, that was the most impressive thing I saw from them. I mean, he finished with six catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. And it's like, literally, you're the Patriots defense. The only guy you have to focus on is Golden Tate. And he was just getting open, open, open. And his touchdown pass went for 64 yards, and that was a lot of it. But still, I was impressed with how he played. Uh, you hit pretty much the on the head with Daniel Jones. And the one thing I will say, 
You mentioned that people on Twitter were joking about putting Eli in. I was not joking. I w- So Daniel Jones threw his third interception on the Giants' opening possession of the second half. And at that point, I was like, just put an Eli. It was 21 to 14. That is like, how much would Bill Belichick just, he, he would not have talked to the media after the game if, if Eli Manning got put in and led the Giants to a win. I mean, it would have been the greatest night. I mean, we have uh, two. Eli would have had to retire right after because that would have oh. been the greatest send off ever. Beat the Patriots one more time. Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. Keep going. No, I mean, the, I mean, I was going to, so I was going to give credit to the Giants defense. Because this has been a bad defense throughout. I mean, we saw a couple weeks ago Jameis Winston tear them up. Week one, Dak Prescott obviously got off to a start that we thought he was going to make a run at MVP before the last two weeks. And this Giants defense dominated the Patriots offense. And look, I know over time the Patriots got their points. Uh, but as we've said many times, this was about the Patriots defense. This was not about the Patriots offense. Uh, they sacked Brady three times. Uh, they had an interception. So I want to give credit to the Giants defense because now I'm going to really criticize Pat Shermer. This was a 14 point game in the fourth quarter. Yes, the Giants at this point are probably going to lose the game. And they had a fourth and two and they punted. I, I, that is just waving the white flag. I have no idea what that was about. To make matters worse, they were punting against the wind, so the punt gained 30 yards. It was the most cowardly punt that I've seen in a long time. Uh, I have no idea. And then, and then when they're down, so then the Patriots take that punt, go down, score a touchdown, 21 point game. And then, uh, Pat Shermer has the gall on third and 10 to throw a challenge flag for defensive pass interference. As we say every single week on this podcast, they're not going to overturn the call in the field. And sure enough, they didn't overturn the call in the field. So no idea what Pat Shermer was doing. Uh, won't go for a fourth and two, but we'll throw the challenge flag on third and 10 because there's nothing for him to lose. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on the fourth and two. That was just, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know who's in his ear. I don't know. He doesn't have analytics guy. He doesn't know what he's doing if you're not going for it in that situation. But with the challenge, I I feel like that was a smart thing. I know that we've been talking about how you cannot win. But to everyone who's watching, it was pass interference. You're down 35 to 14 at that point. You have nothing to lose. If you win it, you get the ball at the 40-yard line, 40 yards away from scoring. If you lose it, no big deal. You're down three touchdowns. Who cares? So I thought the challenge was just one of those. I have nothing to lose. I'm going to do it. So that is what he ended but- up doing. But real quick, the one thing I will say, because you've been talking about the Giants' defense, is that it's kind of hard to put in perspective how well they played, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to try and do it. <laughs> With nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, this was a 21-14 game, and that was despite the fact that Daniel Jones threw three interceptions. That was despite the fact that the Patriots blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown, and that was despite the fact that the Patriots... So that's, what, four four bad things that happened right there, and still it was just a one-score game with nine minutes left. So that really kind of shows how well the Giants played, because if they didn't play well, this final score would have been like 60-10. to 10. It was a weird game, because the entire time it felt like the Patriots were blowing them out. And to your point, this was a seven-point game, and the Patriots had a, had a field goal that they missed to go up by 10. They had a fourth down that they went for, and they didn't convert. So it was a really weird – there was a situation late in the third quarter, I believe, that Daniel Jones had the ball down seven. It was like, wait a minute. Is Daniel Jones going to lead an upset over the Patriots? Of course, it didn't happen. It was just – But that was, was the a, vibe the game was giving yeah. you that, yeah, this might happen. 
Right, and, and the Giants had no business being in this game. Um, I don't, it was this was to me just a really wacky Thursday night game from the weather. Clearly, I mean, I hate to use the it was the wind excuse because that's the lamest possible excuse ever. But it felt like both quarterbacks were actually affected by the wind. The kickers they looked like were affected by the wind. You can talk about Mike Nugent, but every single extra point, I swear to God. Barely sneaked in that left up or that right upright, like by an inch every single time. And then he ended up hitting that upright on his missed field goal. Yeah, and I will say the one thing that happens when you have a really windy game, there was a, a like kind of a diagonal crosswind. So the kicker either had it at their back or in their face, but it wasn't going straight, which would be ideal if you had it at your back. So the thing is, you start to compensate for the win and you start aiming your kicks, which throws off your mechanics a little bit, and all of a sudden, that's why you have kick sneaking in the left upright. That's why you see him going all over the place. Uh, and Nugent missed a 40-yard field goal in this game where uh, Jake Bailey just had the – it was straight out of Ace Ventura. He put the hole down. He didn't even flip it. He left the laces in, and if the laces are in, there's no sweet spot. The ball could knuckle. You have no idea what it's going to do as the kicker. And uh, Nugent's field goal hit the upright, so poor Nugent. Sean, let's go back to the Giants real quick, though. They looked okay. They didn't look horrible. They didn't look great. It was just probably, you know, like a C, C minus. And now, do you feel like this is a team, they're two and three, their next five games coming out, uh, they've got the Cardinals, the Lions, the Cowboys, the Jets, and then a bye in their next five weeks. I mean, two and two, three and one, is three and one possible? No, because they have to go to Detroit. And like, I, I'm actually, I'm really curious to see Detroit against the Packers because I think that'll help us kind of establish more if they're for real or not. They can beat the Cardinals. Um, I don't think they can beat the Cowboys and they can beat the Jets. And I know that's obviously an away game, but it's really, you know, a home game, uh, for both. It's on a neutral field. I don't think this is a team that's going to seriously challenge for a playoff spot, but I think with Daniel Dimes, they have been mostly competitive. <laughs> and I know, again, this was a 21-point game. The Patriots covered the 17-point spread. But as we were saying, this was a 7-point game late in the third quarter. And I don't think anyone expected the Giants to even be within a touchdown, probably going into the second quarter. So they definitely overachieved there. I think they're going to remain competitive. And I don't think for them wins and losses is what's going to matter for them. It's all about... Daniel Jones. And look, Pat Shermer is coaching for his job. I don't think Pat Shermer is coaching for his job, though, in the sense that he needs to win seven games. I think he's coaching for his job in the sense that the Giants need to see tangible progress throughout the season from Daniel Jones. And what's going to help is they're probably going to get Saquon back, I would imagine, next week because he was practicing in a limited capacity on a short week. And there was even, you know, some rumblings last week that he'd be ready to go on Thursday night. He obviously didn't play. But you get him back. You get Evan Ingram back, who's one of the best pass catching tight ends. I do think there's room for him to to improve. He should improve. I would imagine this is the low point of his season. And if this is not the low point of the season, then something has gone wrong. And Pat Shermer should probably be out of a job. Yeah, and you look at the Giants' schedule just for the rest of the season. They're at 2-3 and three right now. They still have games. We mentioned two of them, the Cardinals and the Jets. But besides that, they play the Dolphins and the Redskins in a row in December, in consecutive weeks. And so, I mean, that's a path to six wins right there. Then now all you're talking about is stealing a win or two to get up to maybe eight and eight. And I think if you're eight and eight and you're Pat Shermer, you're keeping your job. I mean, they have a game against the Packers. I don't think they can beat the Packers, but the Packers have had trouble stopping the run. The Giants have Saquon Barkley, giving the ball 60 times. Maybe you win the game. So <laughs> there is uh, there is a path to eight wins, I think, for the Giants. But like you said, I do not see them competing 
for a playoff spot. Now let's look at the Patriots. They are 6-0. and Their next five weeks, they have the Jets on a, and a Monday night. So they get a nice little break here. The NFL loves hooking up Tom Brady. He doesn't get that 10-day break. He gets an 11-day break. Also, so they, great watch. Great primetime watching for anyone who has the Patriots defense. I, I had fun on Thursday night, even though it was not a great game. I'm going to have fun watching them beat up on the Jets offense. And, and even better, since it's Monday night, it's going to be one of those games. You're going to be losing by 26 points going into that, and you're, whoever you're playing is going to think they're safe, and then the Patriots defense is going to put up like 30 points and win it. So next five weeks, they have the Monday night game against the Jets. They have the Browns at home. They go to Baltimore. They have a bye, and then they go to Philadelphia. Do you think – they win all of those games, or do you think they lose one of them in there? I think they go unbeaten in that stretch. However, after the bye week, that's when I think you're going to see them lose one or two games because they got they got to go to Philadelphia, then they play the Cowboys at home, probably win that, but then they got to go to Houston. Deshaun Watson gave them a ton of trouble in Foxborough, and then they play the Chiefs, um, and then they have the vaunted Bengals, of course, in Cincinnati, which you know, easy Bengals win there. But I so I I think. You That's not look funny, at their Sean. you look at their schedule pre buy, Sean. I'm not laughing. I don't see. Uh, I I think I've seriously offended breach guys. Um, <laughs> I don't look at a loss before then. They're not they're not going to lose in New York. What's that line going to be? It's going to be like at least 14 points, depending yeah. on how the Jets look Ooh, with Darnold away prime time. Yeah, I could see it. It'll be double digits, but I don't know if we'll get up to. It might be 12. It's yeah, depending how Darnold. I'm looks hammering the Patriots. Belichick against Adam Gase. I mean, come on. Um, the Browns at home, that feels like a classic Baker implodes against, you know, Belichick's defense. And then go into Baltimore. We've been talking, I mean, you've been talking about it sooner before anyone else that you weren't that sold on the Ravens because they beat up on a bad Dolphins team and barely beat the Cardinals. So I think that's a win there. But the, after that buys when they're going to lose some games. The thing is, the Chiefs are so banged up right now. It doesn't really matter because I think the Patriots have home field advantage pretty much wrapped up unless Tom Brady gets hurt. I could see them losing to Baltimore because to take advantage of that bad defense, you have to have a good offense. And the offense the Patriots put out there against the Giants, that offense isn't putting up a lot of points on Baltimore. Prime time, that, that's a Sunday night game in Baltimore. And the Ravens have been known to play the Patriots tough. I mean, if there's one team that we've kind of seen have Belichick's number, it's probably been the Chiefs and the Ravens. And and regular season, we've seen the Ravens uh, beat Belichick in the playoffs. Um, so I would not be shocked if the Patriots lose that game, but I do not think they will, and I won't pick against them. Uh, but I, I, you know, like you said, I don't think they're going 16 and 0 here. I don't think no. they're going undefeated. There's just too many potholes once they get to November. So once they get to November, that's November 3rd against the Ravens. The bye, then they play the Eagles November 17th, the Cowboys November 24th, the Texans December 1st, and Houston, and the Texans, I mean, that will be a fun game, Deshaun Watson versus the Patriots defense. And then if you survive the Texans in Houston, you have Kansas City. So that is literally what you were saying, Sean, is that's just a, a gauntlet of games that it's really hard to see them getting out of there unbeaten. And for a banged-up team, I mean, not to mention Josh Gordon uh, on Tom Brady's fumble on Thursday night, got hurt with a knee injury, and that looked didn't look like a you know, season-ending variety. He was on the sideline riding the bike, stretching it out. But who knows if he's going to miss a couple weeks? Who knows if he's going to lack some explosion there? Um, I think they had a couple other players suffer injuries. Dante Hightower had something. So this is a really banked-up team right now. 
the thing is, uh, but they have eleven days off. Exactly, and it's and they are undefeated, and they're playing in a terrible division. And the Chiefs already lost the game, so the Patriots already went up on that. Uh, this is my hope. My hope is that the Patriots and Chiefs are within a game of each other when they meet, because I would really like that game to mean something in terms of home field advantage. Uh, all right, let's do a quick prediction. What do you think the Patriots' final record will be? Fourteen and two. Ah, that's what I was going to predict. We're on the same page. Sean and John. And and Sean's lights are still on, so this is a plus. All right, we'll do it for the Giants, too, because I feel like that's a little harder. They're two and four right now. What do you think their final record is? Five and 11. I'm going to one, I'm going to two up you and go with seven and nine. All right, Sean, you want to throw anything else? Any fun facts? Any, uh, anything else from the game? Any observations we, we missed? I was going to be honest. I had a fun fact about the Patriots defense, and then that list, listener, uh, Townsend, set an even better one. So I was like, all right, we just got to do that one. So I think this is a general PSA. If you guys have actual fun facts, because I'm so terrible at coming up with fun facts, send them to me on Twitter. If they're good enough, I'll read them. Here is a not fun fact. The last quarterback to throw for over 300 yards and zero touchdowns in a game, because usually you throw for 300 yards, you're probably going to throw at least one touchdown pass, was this year it was Matt Ryan, and he lost. because <laughs> that, that is a that, very Matt Ryan thing to do. <laughs> that, that should have just been called a Matt Ryan fact, not even a fun fact. I thought you were going to say it was Andy Dalton, because he's uh, that, fouling that, on the garbage time yards. Would that have been funnier? Yes. That Well, that actually would have been fun. It just would not have been a fact. Do you know what's funnier is the last quarterback to do it before that was Jameis Winston. Oh. And the last quarterback to do it before that was also Jameis Winston. <laughs> so we should really call it the Jameis. <laughs> Brady pulled a Jameis. Actually, it's an NFC South. It, it really is. I'm trying to get all the way back here to find a quarterback who's not in the NFC South. It looks like Matthew Stafford did it uh, in 2017. That was the last non-NFC South to do it. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We have a Facebook group now. Search Pick 6 Podcast. Uh We'll answer your questions. Sean will answer questions. You can literally ask him every 10 minutes if he doesn't have electricity or if he has electricity. If he doesn't answer, that means he probably doesn't. Uh, but anyway, search the Facebook group. Join. And guess what? Even though Brinson ditched us, he did show up for the his weekly picks podcast with Pete Prisco and RJ White. Apparently, he likes them more than us. Not surprising from a guy who goes to a Care Bears bar crawl. Uh, so that podcast is coming out Friday. Make sure to listen to this because you're listening on Friday. Make sure you download that one also. And big surprise for the week six recap show Sunday night for the Monday show. The Super Friends will be reuniting. Will Brinson will be here finally. And Ryan Wilson will be back in the analyst chair. And we'll be talking about doo-doo because that is Ryan's favorite word. So make sure you are downloading on Monday morning. And thanks for listening, guys.